0: Aloha, Maui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhardt. And Brian Thomas. Welcome to The Solar Coaster. I believe this is episode 155, and if I'm not mistaken, that puts us right around the corner from our three-year anniversary. How do you feel, Jay? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're still here, still on the air, still doing this thing, (laughs) and the the news never stops flowing.
0: Never stops (laughs) flowing. Lots of cool stuff going on in the world today. We got uh, stuff related to Space Force and... uh, also, you know, this space. Con- gives space. Everyone loves space. <laughs> this, today's show, we're going to be talking with Jen Zaro, formerly of C, but the Smart Electric Power Alliance, really wonderful organization based in D.C., kind of a think tank. Can I call him a think tank, Jay? I like that word.
1: Um, I, I think it's probably the most accurate description you can you can think of. I mean, that they they don't necessarily generate any any real products or anything. It's it's just a matter of collaborating, making sure that education is out there, coming up with solutions. I mean, they, they they and they dabble in so many different areas. It's really hard to pin them down as to what they do. But their their individual departments are all doing really interesting things
0: super cool stuff and and everyone there is really smart and we've interviewed them over the past past you know former trade shows so just as a kind of a structural thing smart electric power alliance and uh sia which is the sole uh solar energy industries association are the two kind of co-owners of the solar power trade shows and so those are the things that we go to to get all this great content for you all on the show and SEPA uh, is kind of the one that's spending a lot of time with utilities and helping understand how to navigate this new energy transition, helping utilities kind of figure things out, helping uh, everyone kind of figure out this this
1: map forward. So, yeah, not not just not just utilities, I mean, government governmental agencies, everything else that their research is available for for everybody's use.
0: Yeah. And so it's a little bit of a heady show. But I also, thought, you know, listening to the interview that we did, this is from back in Solar Power International. Was that in the fall in September, uh, I think, of '19? in mm-hmm. salt lake city and uh you know it, it, jen jen zara does a great job of kind of uh, putting it all together and talking about the big picture so it's really nice that we're gonna have this chance to air this show uh and then next week we'll we'll have uh, mac i think keller is his name one of the analysts there we have a, a show with him and we also have one with uh brenda chu uh, a nice show with her as well so an opportunity to dig into sepa a bit and better understand what they're up to and you know get, get a bunch of insights from them so that is our show for today for episode 155 you guys ready to jump into this
1: always. Here we go.
0: Okay. Hey, folks, this is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. It can be found Fridays at one o five p.m. on Kauai, 11.10 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM FMO Country
1: www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live if you're outside our broadcast area. Uh, We do streaming. There's a link to our YouTube channel, which keeps getting more and more videos. In fact, if you'd like to watch the entire unedited um, video this this interview or the other SIPA videos, they are going up on the YouTube very very shortly. Uh, We have photos and um, blog entries for um, comments and things. It's links to our Facebook and social media things, Uh, and of course uh, you can get our mailing list. But the most important thing is it has. The archive of all our old shows so if you're interested in some facet of renewable energies or solar power uh, chances are we've talked about it already go into the podcast section and uh, you can see all the other shows that we've done by title and uh, and by time Um, just go there and check it out www.solar-coaster.com we also are available on podcast networks so if you have uh, itunes stitcher tune in uh just search for solar coaster and look for our orange and blue little waveform uh logo
0: there you go you got some great sponsors out there that have supported the solar coaster over the years fairwinds wealth management here with us today as usual our uh resident wealth management guru brian thomas uh he's a wealth management organization here uh fairwinds and you can contact brian brian what's that phone number if people want to give you a shout
2: 808-873-3247.
0: We've learned together all about ESG, and, uh, the, and it was interesting time to learn about it too, right? Because this kind of last six months was a very, uh, I would say, unique time in the news and the, the, the concepts of, uh, uh, of ESG. And then also, of course, we start to see this, you know, a really interesting movement of these ETFs like TAN and PBW. I was able to uh, learn a lot from Brian over this period of time and uh, you can too, so give them a shout. You also have Enduro Shield and perfectly clear glass. Uh, Gary Dolberg of Perfectly Clear Glass is here in Maui County, really getting involved with the renewable energy world. And, uh, you know, emailed me the other day and said, hey, I'm going to SPI in in September. I was like, fantastic. Super stoked to uh, continue to coordinate with all these different, really amazing uh, manufacturers and different people in the industry to apply this coating technology that helps to reduce soiling and helps to reduce the amount of cleaning you need to do with your, uh, with your solar system. We also have Sundrum Solar uh, doing projects out here, heatsink technology. Very cool guys uh, with Michael and Sherry. Okay, ready to head over news and events?
1: News and events. Uh, this, uh, this sounds like our. Uh technical future kind of section. Um, but the US Space Force will be testing um, solar power transmission during the X-37B space plane's next mystery flight that's coming, I, I believe they're launching on like the 16th of May. It's it's very, it's very right around the corner. Um, but this is something we talked about be- before, where, where solar power doesn't work when the sun's not shining. But there is a place where the sun is always shining, and that's space. Space and so the the concept is is that you can generate electricity with photovoltaics in space the the, the radiation is actually stronger because it's not getting getting stopped by some of it gets stopped by the atmosphere and reflected back um, so you get much stronger radiation. It's on 24-7. The, the, the big problem is we can't run a wire down from, <laughs> from the giant space installation. Um, and, and so experimentation has been proceeding with microwave um, transmission of this energy. And so the X-37B is going to be taking a, um, a, a small um, microwave Transmitter, I assume um, and and they're going to be testing real wireless transfer of energy you Now, this is this is unprecedented and very very cool um, For those that don't know the x-37b is a small um, Kind of a space plane. It's very similar in look to the, uh, the, the Space shuttle yeah. that we used to run that NASA used to run uh, But it is in the domain of the US Air Force and it's kind of had a tumultuous history um, it, it is much smaller. It is fully robotic, but it does very, very long duration missions. I mean, it's been these space X-37s have been in space for more than seven years total mission time, and you just don't hear about it because the majority of their missions are uh, classified. Um, it it is a it is a platform for uh, testing new and uh, innovative military technologies.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I wasn't aware of the X-37, frankly, and so you know, it does look a lot like the shuttle. Um, you know, and the the fun thing about this this notion of uh, of transmitting energy down from space. I mean, I was talking to Brian earlier about it, and I, and, I, and I remember us covering this. You know, maybe a year or so ago, Jay, in some of our news sections, and then getting more into the mm-hmm. details of how it might work. I think there might have been a Japanese company playing with the idea for a while, or a Chinese company. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, so this notion, if I recall correctly, you're looking at some kind of a receiving location for that energy that's that's fixed in, in in like a like it's like a like a central location where you can receive all that energy via micro microwaves and i'm not i, I suppose they're doing this with the experiment but i mean ultimately that's the kind of idea that you would have to yeah in a, it'll, it,
1: yeah, in a, in a very low power version but it needs to be highly focused i mean you, you think about laser beam laser beams are just light it's just all the photons are going in the same direction it's not it's not blasting out um in all different directions or and getting unfocused um so that that laser of of microwave basically needs to be focused on a receiving platform on the other end Um, and it can be i mean if we're talking energy to power cities that's a lot of power so it can be dangerous and i guess the the issue is are are we allowed to mount these giant microwave laser beams in, in space is, is another, another country going to take issue with that kind of thing, because it could, it could be, it could, could be, it could be, it could be destructive. Um, at the, at the same time, it could revolutionize power generation on this, on this planet. What do you and, think, Brian?
2: Yeah. And then you have to ask, is it, is it, uh, if a airplane flies through that beam, is that going to be disruptive to the flight and does that create a risk there? But I mean, um, it was very cool. There's a, uh, on GeekWire, there's a video, Jay. I don't know if you saw that, but it's Jessica Meir. She's up in the International Space System and she's talking about it. And the quality is incredible. And she's an impressive young lady. Yeah. But she's talking about that antenna, which is what they use. And uh, it's a light emitting rectifying antenna. And, uh, what, Jay, you're more technical on this stuff. But when she pulls it away from the Wi Fi just uh, a few inches, the power dropped. So I guess the focus is what allows us to overcome that.
1: Well, right. The, their wifi antenna in that, in that case is, is of course, it's an omnidirectional antenna. They want their Wi-Fi to go everywhere so that they can use it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so the closer you are to that, um, that antenna, the, the, it's, it's like, It actually drops off by a a square, I believe. Um, It's an exponential drop. So as you're very, very close to it, the the power is quite strong. But as soon as you move like an inch or two away, you're really losing the majority of the power because it's not that laser focus. Uh, That little device, by the way, is super easy to build. I I think I probably should have done that as a robotics program. Mm (laughs) <laughs> a project way back when it's literally just an led and a Schottky diode wired in, in opposition to each other and the led legs are sticking out the side i'll make you one um <laughs> yeah, i think yeah. i I, love, I have i have the parts right behind me here
2: <laughs> gotcha yeah I, I figured i mean uh I, I thought a Zener diode does what that. I've never heard of a Schlotke diode. It sounds like something from <laughs> Milwaukee or something like
1: that. A, same, th- same thing. There's just less voltage voltage drop across the diode. <laughs> I see. Okay. Well,
0: here's a question for you. So um, assuming this, this, uh, this, this little science experiment here works out in space, uh, do you think, Jay, that it could be possible to have distributed uh energy wirelessly directly to our homes or would it have to go directly to one central area and then be distributed via wires i mean could we have something like could we go to spectrum and say hey we got a new bundle it's not just your cell phone and your internet and your cable now it's also going to have your power
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to that. The pro obviously is that you would um, have a much less dense beam of energy. It would just be the energy that you need instead of an entire city's worth of energy. Um, The downside is that there would be a lot of them and it would probably be difficult to manage. Mm. Uh, I I would I would expect we're going to start with a kind of central generation in space, central receiver and then distribution as opposed to direct energy transfer um, to everybody's houses. you'd basically be bathing the um, bathing the planet in microwaves <laughs> which I don't necessarily think is a good idea either maybe
0: not the best solution okay well very cool stuff no, it no, no, not, to... not
1: not at, not at all um, I, I do want to point out that this this did also lead me to a very weird video it was the first time I'd ever seen it um, it is it is the recruitment video for oh, yeah. the US space force now the space force has just been, just been created um, and and although this x37b is, is the equipment and and the basic um, and all the research associated with it is actually belongs to the Air Force the space force, The newly created Space Force is now responsible for um, launch and all in orbit um, mission activities. So our Space Force is actually functional and doing something, which is really, really cool. We We have have a space. Space We have a national Space Force, (laughs) which which is neat. Um, And and it was the first recruitment video that I ever saw that actually like spoke right to me. It's like, oh, I actually want to join. (laughs) This is cool. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sound, sounds really neat. Um, for those for those of you who have children, this is this is because of, because of the times we have a lot of kids at home and they're bored. Um, I do want to point out something else, and this is drawing on my experience doing the robotics and and stuff, uh, teaching things. Um, there's a piece of software. It's called the Kerbal Space Program, K-E-R-B-A-L, and it's for like PC and Xbox and PlayStation and stuff like that. Um, but it is a real physics-based kind of. Um, I almost want to say Minecraft for space, but it's not like Minecraft, like you're building stuff. They give you all the, the existing equipment that we've used over the years in the space program. And then you get to assemble your own rockets, which is really, really cool and teaches a tremendous amount. You basically learn um, uh, rocket science by accident <laughs> by playing this game and so i would recommend to anybody who has children at home and they're bored and they want to do something with space and they're interested in space um look up the kerbal space program because it's an awesome piece of software uh and they have a new version two coming sometime this year how so. do you spell that jay i don't i don't k-e-r-b-a-l space kerbal. program uh, kerbal yeah um i i don't everybody always asks me did you write that game it's like no i did not um i just like it so I'm just telling you it's out there, and if you have children in their board, this is what they, this is where you want to plug them in. We'll check it out. We'll check it out right away. That sounds
0: really good. Okay. 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 Hey Brian, you want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the markets this week?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, we talked about uh, before uh, in Q four of 2019. We talked about ESG, environmental, social, governance investing, and how there's um, massive uh, amounts of asset allocators' assets essentially being. Uh, directed to that space, and um, it, it of course got hit. And one, and one specific vehicle we talked about was a, an ETF, exchange-traded fund. Ticker symbol is TAN. You can look it up, TAN, and that that did pull back with everything else. And uh, of course, it's rising with everything else here too. And something to think about is that after the COVID-19 we are seeing how important it is to build resiliency in our systems, be they uh, masks that healthcare administrators need to order and our power grid. And so this is kind of come to the forefront. So one may think that, that some of these projects may be curtailed or, or uh, derailed, but it's still going to proceed and it's still going to go on. And it takes a little bit more importance now that we, we can see that there is some fragility in, in our systems. And so, um, TAN is one. Uh, Another one that we have on in the past uh, is a renewable energy ETF that has solar and wind and some other stuff, and that is ticker symbol PBW, Paul Bravo Walter. These are not recommendations, of course, but uh, if you wanted to participate in the space, you can uh, look at those. You're welcome to call me. I can talk about other stuff, but the ESG trend is uh, is still moving along. And so you know, it's an amazing time because the market's actually pretty strong. At the same time, that Main Street and unemployment is is hitting numbers that we wouldn't even see were fathomable. So 30 right. million unemployed in our country. So
0: right. it's right. kind
2: of a, it's a bizarre time.
0: It is. And I remember you talking, you know, because we were here exploring ESG and exploring these different ideas about investment over the last, I'm going to say six months, just uh, I'm not really sure how long it's been now. And, you know, you were talking about how the economies are very fragile, and you had a lot of language about why I wouldn't try to replicate that. But, uh, you know, now we're in this time where it's kind of the, that has popped and we're, we're in this situation now. So it's interesting to, after all that discussion to be here, you know, when you talk about um, uh, ESG and about, you know, for example, the renewable energy revolution, I want to just touch base on one article that I think is kind of interesting. Uh, related to that, and this time, this uh, Reuters, Reuters.com, uh, U.S. Health Coronavirus Economy, Green Recovery Can Revive Virus-Hit Economies and Tackle Climate Change Study Says. So there's been a study conducted with hundreds of uh, different experts, 700 economic stimulus policies, uh, 231 experts from 53 countries, and they're basically saying, uh, similar to what uh, Will Geesey and Allison from over at HSCA wrote in Civil Beat last week, and we covered it, The results suggest that green projects such as boosting renewable energy or energy efficiency create more jobs, deliver higher short-term returns, and lead to increased long-term cost savings relative to traditional stimulus measures. So at this time, when we're looking at how to uh, bolster our economies, how to diversify our economies, make them less fragile, and take some of that um, that stimulus money and point in the right direction, this could be the way to go, uh, folks. I tend to, of course, support that a little bit biased, but... I love the idea of creating a new green economy at this time. What do you guys think,
1: Jay? No, it absolutely. I mean, absolutely needs to be done. <laughs> um, we cannot use this as an excuse to backpedal. We've been making so much progress over the last decade in, in solar and renewables. Um, the, yes, we have other concerns, but we can't. We can't let this be forgotten. All right, so it's the time. Yeah,
0: it- and, and as
2: the cost of solar has come down dramatically, even though the cost of crude has come down, and, of course, natural gas is still low, it still makes ec- economic sense. And so if the government was to support and give uh, loans to some of those industries, I think that would make a lot of sense. And, and that's kind of the direction I want to see. I wouldn't want to see it mandated, but yet lending facilities set up in place to let that continue.
0: All righty. There you go. So why don't we head over to commercial break, come back, and we'll have a chance to talk with Gen uh, Zaro, formerly of CEPA. EnduroShield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. EnduroShield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at
1: 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422.
0: Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at pantechdesign.com. We like to start out SPI with talking with the fine folks at SEPA.
3: We appreciate that. We've
0: done that a couple of years now and it's been super uh, kind of revelational for us. We learned so much from you you, you all. You're so smart. <laughs> we appreciate that too. That's great. Why don't we get a sense for for who you are and for your background. Yeah. Give us a little bit about SEPA and then uh, we can kind of take it from there.
3: Yeah, so I'm their VP of research. Um, so I help develop our strategy uh, for what we're going to cover from a research and content standpoint. So. Background, um, I was on the board of SEPA, actually, before I joined them as, as a member of their team. I um, worked for Orlando Utilities Commission oh, for about almost 10 years, a municipal utility in, uh, in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I did photovoltaic research. So okay. um, lots of different aspects I've been tackling this from, and I get to bring a lot of that together now um, at SEPA.
2: Did
0: you do photovoltaic research for the uh, for the utility or for cri- uh, no. prior to that so-
3: for a state research institution, yeah. That's
0: interesting. And yeah. what year was that?
3: Uh, I started in the field in 97.
0: 97, what a shift since 97 yeah. to today. Amazing. Right? Yeah, I mean, I've been to every
3: one of these shows but one, because I uh, had a baby that year, but mm-hmm. um, let me tell you, just not only the, the size of the crowds, but also the depth of insights and, you know, Watching the market grow and, and really change over time has been an amazing um, benefit of my career. You know, to so we'll see it all happen. You're
0: probably a great person to talk to about this kind of macro uh, sense and scale of the industry and how it grows yeah. and where it's going. Yeah. I mean, you probably have some insights there. You know, we're from Hawaii and we're in a post NEM uh, environment yeah. and uh, a lot of changes, a lot of kind of, uh, it's very uh, you know dynamic out
1: there.
3: Yeah, you guys are... You're being
1: very nice, <laughs> being very generous <laughs> with uh, your language. You are, brutal? <laughs> you are <laughs> on the cutting,
3: it. bleeding edge, unfortunately, unfortunately, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, right. So Someone has to do it. That's is, right. Is the we deal. appreciate and I, they, I think I think the environment really, really lends itself to that. So yeah. that's, but that, that's why yeah. we, we are where we are. That hop,
0: you know, from what's going on out in Hawaii to the, the mainland yeah. and mm-hmm. looking at the whole industry that Jen that's has right. eyes on, is really interesting because if you can, can you imagine what's happening out there? Yep. 80% of permit pulls being, uh, having storage, for example. That's right. Uh, happening in California or yep. Florida or and New, New Jersey or yep. New York, right? Yep. That's a whole different world and that has a lot to do with, you know, I guess you'll be able to see some of that. So wanna, we're excited we to are. learn from you.
3: Yeah, it's been very, it's been very exciting. The last couple of years, especially with the focus on grid modernization mm-hmm. as one of the core drivers um, and just the, you know, 10 years ago when we were talking about solar penetration we were talking about single digit percentages we're so far beyond that today we're, we're talking now about how do you get from 80 percent to that 100 percent renewables line you know we That's were not one, even, eh? yeah we were not even having these yep. conversations as a possibility 10 years ago five years ago um and you know a lot of things have happened in the markets make that possible Um, And, you know, you guys in Hawaii, for instance, have really proven folks wrong. You've shown that you can do it. There are pain points along the way, and we thank you for working your way through those for us. I appreciate that. Uh, You in California. (laughs) Um, But the fact is that instead of talking about if it's possible, we're now talking about how it's possible and how to make it the most cost effective method to go forward.
0: Wow, God, that's really exciting to think about that. So just for the sake of our listeners, we've had a bunch of shows with SEPA, the Smart Electric Power Alliance, uh, but maybe you could give us a little overview of what the organization does, how it fits in.
3: Yeah, so SEPA really, you know, our goal is to help forward change within the industry. Um, so we're a thought leadership organization. We're really focused on um, bringing together different perspectives. Um, so, while we focus on the utility business models and things like that, what we're really trying to do is bridge the gap and build this conduit between industry and other stakeholders and the utilities so that they respond in a way that is positive and productive and, and actually you know, good for change. Um, the so, utilities. Yeah. So, making them sort of understand the benefits and pitfalls to not being part of the conversation bringing them into the conversation, and bringing them into a player in the market as offering solution sets. um, Because we believe they have a role to play in the industry. Um, And we want them to come at things not from a defensive position, but from a proactive position, which is really what we focus on, getting them over that hump of of kind of that terror (laughs) of things changing very quickly in this environment, which they are changing very quickly, much faster than ever before in their history.
0: It's really uh, an interesting thing to hear that perspective because from the position of a solar guy, just a guy that put panels on a roof basically, yep. right, for, for years, uh, you know, we interacted with the utility out in Hawaii, and we have on the show all the time nowadays, yep. and it was definitely a, uh, it felt like an us or them kind of conversation yep. for a long time. Yep. So that's changing considerably now, yep. uh, And then, uh, but, it, but that, that, that arc, can be there's some there are some pain points in there, yeah. and so if you can smooth that out for mm-hmm. other uh, you know sections of the industry, other states, other yep. utilities, so. that's a super valuable service yeah. to everyone because that gets us close to renewable energies without you know companies getting right. <laughs> eighty six right. or right. What's the win win? Right, I mean that's yeah. what we
3: want to see. This isn't about you know putting utilities out of business, and it's not about putting the solar industry at a disadvantage. It's about how do you work through the actual process of change. So really what we consider ourselves to be beyond just a thought leadership organization is a change management leadership organization.
0: I have a question for you that's it's kind of specific to this. So I think that the initial thought can be from the utility perspective, oh no, our business model is changing. How are we going to adapt? How do we do this? We don't know what to do. Right. I think that, that notion is there. Yeah. Um, but what we're seeing recently, and I brought this up on the show a couple of times, uh, are are uh, impact investment groups, venture capitalists, uh, identifying the grids as the uh, breakout winners of the next couple of decades. Yeah. Specifically, I'm talking about Jeffrey Ubin's Evaluation Act Capital. Buying something like two percent of uh, Hawaiian Electric companies back in October of eighteen, yeah. and when he talks about this on, you know, on like um, CNBC kind of stuff, right? right. He, he he talks about it in a very different way. So he's identifying a tremendous value in the utilities, and that maybe they're not even de- de- defining in themselves yet, or maybe you're helping That's them to right. find, define yeah. in themselves now. Yeah,
3: I mean, one of the things we really focus on heavily in our work is the the future role of the utility, right? Um, because it's they are the infrastructure. Providers and they also have this. Whether you know, you like it or not, they have a very strong connection with the customer. You know, client
0: relationship. And so,
3: yeah. they, you know, even if you're buying an electric vehicle and you put in the charging infrastructure and something goes wrong, who are you likely to call? Yeah. You know, so so having that sort of trust. Now I know because it's monopoly often that that makes it harder. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a, a known quantity there and can you know people consider them to be a trusted advisor um, despite what their power bills may do to them um, there's a trust sense there that they're yeah. going to give somebody a straight answer and they're going to try to help them out as their customer and so I think if we play to those strengths mm. um, we can bring in industry and bring in these other partnerships and figure out how to best use all of the you know the capabilities that the utility has to maximize our success rate. Mm. And really, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, and that's a good customer experience for people to get their needs met, for us to have reliable, affordable power, and for us to have an environment that's sustainable and healthy that we want to live in. So it's just a matter of how do you bring in all the players together and really pull the pieces together in a way that you've solved this puzzle, right?
0: Yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, you know, Jay and I, we bring in um, news and events to our show on a weekly basis. And we oftentimes will take a look at the nation and give some updates. What's happening here? What's happening there? And we'll see there's an interaction between policymakers and utilities. Yeah. And so sometimes you'll see this. Uh, and I'm not quite sure. I guess you have, you know, uh, quasi-public entities like public utilities commissions. You have right. actual policy You have actual utilities all working together to make decisions. But sometimes you'll see something that just seems so outlandish. Yeah. And, whoa, the industry completely shifted Oh there's no more net metering there's no more this you yeah, know yeah. and so but really that's uh, that's it seems quite counterproductive these kinds of things so are yeah. you are you working to get ahead of that and educate and say hey there's other ways I'm gonna get help that guy get out of the way there's, <laughs> are, there's better ways to, to navigate this process than to right. shut it down I mean is that part of your role?
3: Yeah it is so stakeholder engagement to help identify problems pain points and work through them, jointly, collaboratively, is a big part of what SEPA focuses on, right. and so a good example of that, this year we launched an initiative called Renovate, and Renovate is focused on regulatory innovation, not specific outcomes related to regulations, but how do you make the regulatory process more flexible, more mobile, um, more um, you know, together with folks, bringing people together so that there's more stakeholder engagement, so it's more inclusive. Um, And so part of that is identifying, net metering is a good example of that. Okay, well that's one issue, one way to deal with it. Let's tackle the problem, take a step backwards, and what is it that we're trying to achieve? If it's growth of solar and getting people comfortable, what are other ways we can come at this? And and keeping net metering on the table even, and figuring out, what are the real problems with it, right? What are the real pain points with it? And having that open, transparent discussion with everybody at the table, being honest and frank with each other, that's, for us to facilitate that conversation and help identify the win-wins, the joint outcomes, the things that I would say everyone can agree with, that's what sepa really focuses on
0: that's exciting and maybe there are opportunities to for the rest of the country to take a look at the process that hawaii's been through
3: yes and
0: then say hey this is uh, some of the things that happened here yeah. we can um, we can probably avoid some of these pain points right it, it, you know when i think about it some of it's fairly obvious like to us i think because we lived through it but, you know, you have NEM, it goes away, then you have the opportunity to do self-supply, yeah. but technology doesn't exist for that.
2: That's right. And then
0: now there's all these different tariffs, which in great. a sense look like there's, we're spoiled for choice. Oh, that's exciting, that's great. But the implementation of that and understanding that, and the asymmetry between the, per, the, the the solar installer or the company that's trying to be able to explain the value proposition of six yeah. different tariffs and the different types of technologies, it's just there's this massive asymmetry between yes. the, the, uh, yeah. the people that need these systems and, you know, and the people that are trying to sell it or deploy it or install it.
3: Right, So I think that's so important to evaluate, too, right? So I think in Hawaii, unfortunately, sometimes you guys learn the hard way um, and had to to learn from your mistakes and then fix it on the other side, which you did, though, and I would say you're so much further along in Hawaii than in other other states, so it was a painful process, right? Mm. Um, But I think one interesting thing that we're seeing is sort of this journey mapping idea, where you're you're walking through an idea from start to finish, sort of rapid prototyping. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking through what is the experience of each of the stakeholders. So you've got a journey for the customer, right? You've got a journey for the PV installer manufacturer. You've got a journey for the the utility. You've got a journey for the rate maker. And they all are thinking about this. So you're walking through this prototyping process to see what, what are the outcomes that are possible to avoid some of those challenging pitfalls of just rolling something out and then it hasn't really, you don't understand the impacts um, to a particular stakeholder group which then can throw a fly in your ointment.
0: Well, oh, very exciting. Well, what are some examples? Jay, jump in at any time here. But what are some examples of uh, utilities or of kind of success stories of that? I mean, are you seeing that in, you know, I can think of a couple that might pop up, but I mean, what, what are you seeing?
3: Yeah, so we are, we are seeing some really good stuff happening. There are a few utilities that are doing this right now with their interconnection processes, mm-hmm. right? So solar interconnection has often been a very serious oh. <laughs> pain point um, for, yeah, in Hawaii especially, right? Jeez. Because there were concerns that the engineers were having about the capabilities of the of the grid itself, right? Mm-hmm. And then there were concerns about the pace um, that that the utility employees were getting um, interconnection applications for, right? But then you didn't want to slow the pace of growth for the industry at the same time, so you're balancing all of these different issues and quite frankly, the, you, know, you had to figure out who is missing what information, like where are the stop gaps to make this, to be able to improve this process. Mm. And so without doing that sort of journey map and figuring out, doing a gap analysis to understand where those pain points exist and then what you can do about them, it's really hard to make that a better situation, right? So
0: I'm envisioning you going to a community, like in, I don't know where. Pick a pick a city, right?
3: Yeah, we're we're doing this now. And I then mean, you sit
0: down with all these stakeholders in the actual environment, and then you start yeah. to walk them through this. You called it journey mapping. Journey mapping, mapping. yeah. It's a new term for me. Yeah. So journey mapping it, and then saying these are this is how this might look over the course of X period of time.
3: Yeah. What are your pain points? What are your experiences that you think you might have? Um, so. And that's really what we are trying to do, is guide the industry toward successful change, successful evolution. And we're doing that on multiple fronts. So the, you know, as I mentioned, renovate is one way we're, we're thinking about the regulatory process as a pain point, right? How can we solve some of those issues with the pace of change, their ability to approve pilots, um, people coming in with the right sets of information to educate regulators on the why. Um, and also to educate stakeholders on the why and make sure the stakeholders are part of that conversation before it gets to the point where there's a commission hearing. Um, so kind of getting in front of some of that is, is what we're working they have on. Have all the
0: information they need.
3: Right, and then we're working with the standards organizations as well from an integration standpoint to make sure things can talk to each other and things Jay can actually work. Jay talking about this. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. interoperability, right, and communication standards and control mm-hmm. standards. So the more solar that you put out there, the more storage that you put out there, and the more flexible load, which is what we call demand response, that you put out there at these different nodes all through the system, the more critical it becomes to have communication and control infrastructure that the utility has to invest in and that the the provider of these technologies has to invest in and they all have to communicate together seamlessly to get that reliability and that customer satisfaction. So there's a trust factor there as well, that you have to work through um, on all sides.
0: What are the jurisdictions? Are, is this a national uh, focus? Is this a is it bigger than that? I mean, where does it? What are the kind of boundaries?
3: We so we we. Primarily, I would say it's U.S., but we also um, are looking at things that are happening in other markets um, for for insights. So we've we've gone on fact-finding missions, we call them. Mm-hmm. We've met with the folks in Australia to understand mm-hmm. what they have gone through, what went well for them, because um, they're ahead in some cases. Southern Australia, for instance, you know, over forty percent penetration of renewables in certain areas, mm-hmm. over fifty percent penetration. Tasmania is another example. And it's happening, they're getting it done. So what did they do well? How did, We want to understand how they got to that point and what were their pain points along the way and where did they fail so that we could take that back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Same with Europe. So right now in the UK, we're looking at performance-based regulation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, well what worked well there and where were their pain points? Like they had issues with um, building a value case um, for storage under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. So we want to understand that and take that back to the U.S.
0: Got it, got it super valuable information let me let me uh, let me step kind of you're looking at a very high level Um, let me ask you a very very high level question Uh, when we think about climate change and the recent reports that are coming out saying we've got a you know a decade in front of us maybe window yeah Um, right now we have uh, Greta Thunberg did I say that correctly Greta yes Greta you know this really inspiring young um, activist uh, from uh, Norway or Sweden, Norway. I think. Norway. And uh, you know, so she's in I think New York right now. Just came over on the uh, on the the um, uh, Monaco Monaco's royalties yacht, I think. Right. I just wow. read about that. That's uh, quite but a trip. It's, uh, ca- you know, carbon free, just a, a sailboat basically. Right. <clears throat> so you've got. Do, what, what is your sense on the rate of change? Jay and I try to really get, us, get get our head around how much solar do we as a society need to be deploying yeah. to make an impact? Because this is one of the big questions.
3: It is, um, and, and at what yeah. pace? And
0: at what pace? Right. Um, do you have a sense of where it's going? Do you have a sense of our limitations right now? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Jay and I really don't um, kind of you know the boundaries. We kind of push it out to just find the answers. So we yeah. spent a lot of time talking with the, the physicists at Eater uh, in the south of France yeah. and a lot of fission. fission uh, 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 physicists and trying to understand what role that may play as well. So, yeah. uh, what's your sense on this whole big, the
1: big, big, big picture?
3: So, I think big picture, the pace of change is is becoming almost this exponential, you know, hockey puck, right? I mean, we're seeing the change happen. I've been in the industry for over twenty years. I mean, every I feel like it's almost in that doubling stage where every year, you know the urgency is getting greater and greater, but we're also seeing the innovation match up to that and the change pace, which is why, to be fair, some of these utilities and things like, you know, those players in the market aren't used to this pace of change, so they're having to try to react very quickly. Um, the good news is, they are. Um, you know, we are seeing more and more every week of uh, commitments to carbon reduction and renewable energy percentages, and so, I never in my wildest dreams imagined that we would be at a point where cities by themselves were standing up and saying, we're yeah. going to be 100% yeah. carbon free by 2030, by 2040, it's by 2050. It's almost 2050. a competition right now. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Now, the trick will be, how can we help them get there? How can yeah. we help them achieve those those goals, right? And that's where you have to, you know, we're taking a three-pronged, three-pronged approach, the, you know, the markets, so the regulatory frameworks, mm-hmm. you know, the business models around that, and then the, the physical, <laughs> technical integration of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I think it can be done. I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna be this point where you, I, I think right about the 80% mark is where you're gonna see the mm-hmm. challenges.
0: 80% renewable energy adoption?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, and it's gotta be a holistic solution. Like it can't just be all solar. I think because these are regional intermittent resources, so we have to be thinking more about packaged approaches, aggregated approaches, and it's gotta be system system wide. Percent and the rate of change. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that's 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 the real the real difficult piece. You need that yeah. that last st- Static, steady it's, piece of energy that, right. that is not part of your renewable mix. Yeah, but where does is, that come from? <laughs> so you,
3: you've got to understand that electrons need something to push them, right? Sure. And so the trick is how. What technologies can we apply to the grid that allow you to keep that flow of electrons moving? Um, because you, you literally, this is a problem you had in Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. You had so much solar coming on the system that you didn't need a lot of your traditional um, reciprocating engines on the system. You had nothing sort of pushing the grid along, you know? Um, And so, you know, what's keeping the water running, if you will? Um, And so I think the challenge for us to get from that 80% to the 100% is systems, approaches, can we apply to really take it over that hump? Get over that big frickin wall, as we call it. Um, And so once we figure that out, I think we're golden.
0: Right, so you think that there's um, there's enough there for us to meet the, I you think we can actually make a significant change or significant seem to be an impact on climate change? Is I, that within I our capabilities? So. I yeah, mean, that's now, a huge question. I hate I mean, to be think, on the spot, but.
3: I think so, I mean, <laughs> I do. We're already seeing it happening in the transportation industry, which l- let's face it, it's equally important to address the transportation industry for this issue, sure. right? So we're, we're seeing, Vast improvements in the capabilities, the range of electric vehicles. It's moving from beyond just um, light and heavy and medium duty fleet. It's moving on to now aircraft. And the shipping industry is going to be also critical. So we're seeing all this amazing progress being happening on that side, but how do we power it? So if you go that, that was to, my biggest
1: concern yeah, is that you, if you electrify everything where is the electricity coming that's from that's right
3: yeah <laughs> so i think again you have to take this sort of aggregated look at things you can't you're going to need other other players in the market whether that be um, biomass gasification you know okay. in a low oxygen environment or whether it's wind power that you're now able to cite due to technology improvements you know, in different places that you were not be able to cite it before. Sure. Um, pairing it up with storage, and then what I think is the most interesting technology change that I'm watching right now is the growth of this demand flexibility. So these intelligent loads, mm-hmm. that can be more responsive. So if you've built, let's say you've built your highly efficient home, Um, And now you've got a system where you can tell your lighting system how to act. You can tell your thermostat how to act. You can bundle them all up together. And then with your electric vehicle in the garage and tell everything when it's supposed to come on, on and off to really suit the best conditions for the grid now that we we're getting close to that we're not quite there there's still a lot of work that SEPA is doing with its members and it's and the um, government agencies to move us along from its communications and, and standards um, methodologies to make that happen but we're seeing such great progress in that area and I think that's going to be again a piece of the puzzle that really gets us to that next step
0: I've, I've heard um uh, people that talk about our, our perceptions of our own capabilities in terms of this one-year and ten-year thing, right? Mm-hmm. So in one year, we overestimate what we can accomplish. Yeah. And within ten years, we underestimate what we can accomplish. Yeah. Now, it just so happens that ten years is an important window to us right now. right? Yeah. Do you feel like we're underestimating what we can accomplish? Because the reason I ask that is there are scientists we're talking to saying, we need fission in order to do this thing. Yeah, we're yeah. not, not going to be able uh, to make it's it. It's not mathematically within our capabilities. Uh, so I wonder, if, do you feel like there's a There's a a route forward that, that are we underestimating our capabilities as a species? Can we do this thing, you know?
3: I think there are a lot of possibilities out there, right? I can't say for certain, because I don't have the crystal ball. If I did, I wouldn't be working here, right? But um, I do think that we are being proven wrong on so many occasions. Hawaii is a good example of that. Australia is a good example of that. Costa Rica is a good example of that. I mean, Norway, you're seeing it happen where they said, the grid can't handle this, or or we can't do this, and then we've done it. Mm -hmm. So I believe with the right tools, the right stakeholder engagements, the right mechanisms, we can accomplish our goals, these goals that people are setting out to achieve that carbon reduction down to zero. And I think we can have a a real, true impact on climate change. And if you look, I mean, everyone's on board across the entire world that climate change is an issue, right? So cities haven't slowed down, states haven't slowed down. We're still all moving with great momentum towards this goal. I think we got a good shot at it.
0: And we're gonna be able to hear more today at the keynote. It's the uh, role of clean energy in an integrated, integrated decarbonization strategy. strategy. I had to Thank learn you. that yesterday for a yes. thing. So and that's, that's specifically the, one of the areas, right? We right. We've got.
3: And And I think those are two key words, right? Integrated strategy, right? You cannot go this alone, nor should you. We've gotta all work together if we're gonna be successful. So can we? Yes. But it's gonna take commitment from all the players in the market, all the stakeholders are gonna to have to get together and identify those win-wins. That's how we get there at the end of the day. We bring everybody together, we're stronger together than we are trying to fight for our, our solution or their solution. We've gotta do this together.
0: Sounds like a great way to, to wrap it up right there, right? Uh, so uh, this is uh, Jen Zarro with the Smart Electric Power Alliance. Thank you so much Thanks. for Thanks taking the time me. to talk with us. And yeah. uh, we got a couple more uh, meetings with your staff coming up, so. I look great. forward to that, too. Much
3: appreciated. Thanks right. for being here.
0: All right, that was Gen Zara. Really, uh, a bit nostalgic, Jay. You know, uh, looking back on SPI at this stage of the game. What do you think of that interview? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, I, I try not to look at it in that any way, other way than what it was, and we'll, we'll get we'll get back there. Mm. Um, I mean, the trade shows are always great. We meet such interesting people, and they are doing deep, insightful analysis, and then just sharing it with everybody, which which really helps pr- progress of everybody. Yeah.
0: For sure. And we're going to get a chance to speak with uh, two additional staff members. Uh, well, we already did. We're going to air those shows probably next week. That's Mac uh, Keller and uh, Brenda Chu. So it's an opportunity to learn mm-hmm. more from these uh, fine, really smart folks at SEPA. Uh, you also yeah. want also just and, co- they,
1: and they do and they do different they do different areas of research. so it's yeah. not going to be the same conversation again. They do very different things.
0: yeah, this is a, playing a critical role in kind of helping uh, our society transition to renewable energies. So there's no that that's what they're doing. Hey, um you know, and, and, and like you said, it's uh, we learn a lot from them at these trade shows and events. and now a lot of these events are being canceled uh, over the course of the next few months as this uh, covid nineteen crisis gets kind of understood better. Uh, but there are different approaches to how these organizations are trying to kind of keep moving forward. Uh, one of them is uh, th- there's an organization. What is it? It's on Solar Power World Online. Where's that article? And they're doing a virtual Midwest trade Solar show. Expo. Yeah, they're doing a virtual trade show and virtual in the truest sense of the word virtual, like 3D virtual immersive con. Conference. I mean, what do you? I think it's you know what I like about this outside of the fact that we just like virtual stuff and it's kind of fun and neat, but I mean we get a chance to try out the technology and see how effective it is. Imagine closing deals in that space. I mean you've had these kind of Second Life. I know you're going to say that, but these kind of Second Life you know uh, <laughs> environments in the past, but now they're being put to, brought to bear. Right. These are things that we actually have the chance. People are like, well I got to do business somewhere. I might as well try it out in here, and you're going to get a chance to see what that's like. I, I'm super excited to ch- to, to learn more about this
1: yeah I mean th- this is this is really interesting it does look a little like second life like I said um, which is an old piece of software that people you make a little avatar and wander around in a virtual environment um, but they are truly building out a trade show um, 3d virtual conference space where you will show up with your little avatar and you can wander around but literally listen to the conversations they're actually l- listing right here This says headphones are strongly recommended so that you can hear the 3d audio of conversation so it's literally Whoa. like wandering through a trade show hearing some kind of conversation and then just like inserting yourself in oh hey you're here. i hear you're in storage what's going on Shout that out. <laughs> so and those, there's no, those, there's those no reason
0: there's no reason why you couldn't use a headset like if you have a vive you could use your vive right
1: uh, that really depends on the software, whether it's whether it's headset aware or not you're talking you're talking about a head mounted display, not yeah. a headset for audio, which, is, which is not what they were asked. They were talking for audio. Um, I uh, it honestly don't know. I couldn't figure out whether they were actually um, using Second Life or it's some other proprietary something. It, it doesn't say what it is here. You just have to go and, and, and they will give you a download link. So uh, I'll have more information next week, I guarantee.
0: Very good.
1: We also you can you can you can check it out um, midwestsolarexpo.com no spaces m i d w e s t s o l a r e x p o so midwestexpo dot midwestsolarexpo.com.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun and certainly something interesting to do during these uh, strange days. You know, on a uh, on another front, of course, we have set uh, the organizing body for Solar Power International North America Smart Energy Week. Uh, making some really interesting uh, moves. They have this new, uh, um, this new kind of section, this new kind of uh, area. I think it's called uh, Think, Innovate, and Connect. I, 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 think, Engage, Connect, I gotta check that out. It's on their website. But we're doing a webinar on Thursday, May 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, organized by Solar Power Events. And this is business perspectives navigating the current solar and storage market. So this is basically a solar power webinar, solar power events webinar that the Solar Coaster is going to be hosting. So I'm stoked about that, Jay. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's mean, the first time we've um, hosted some anything else besides our own show.
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so we're going to be um, talking with a couple of different you know uh, people in the space. There's an analyst uh, coming on uh, from this really great organization. Uh, DNVGL is the name of the organization. Based, I think it's based out of Oslo. And then we're talking with some of our, you know, our our, um, our compatriots and friends over the years from the Solar Coaster, and possibly having them come on and share their expertise and experiences with how to navigate this overall uh, period of time. So yeah, I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to checking that. It,
1: it, it is going to be decidedly business focused. But if you are interested, where can people uh, get on the yeah, webinar?
0: Yeah, Solar. Okay. So if you go to if you just Google Solar um, Solar Power International, you go to their main. Uh, website and then you can navigate to the think and engage content library uh and think engage connect area and then in the sign up section right there and it's really straightforward and doesn't look like i don't see any cost or anything so it looks like it's pretty uh pretty simple they just want to be able to keep everybody uh, kind of informed so yeah that'll be a good time sounds Congrats like fun on, i'm looking uh, forward to it
2: <laughs> i chosen to do that i think that's a pretty uh pretty prominent uh
0: task yeah, they give us a little nod there, thanks to the solar coaster. Uh, Gary, how are we doing? We got a minute or so? Minute and a half, half, gentlemen. Okay. Can I talk
1: about Griff, please? Can Uh, I talk about Griff? Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the Idaho News, uh, K I V I T V, is actually um, talking about an a Boise man who I guess he runs a solar company, Awaken Solar, um, in Boise, Idaho. But he has outfitted a giant trailer uh, with solar panels, and he is now going to be traveling the U S. in a big solar powered truck. And the truck is named Griff. <laughs> this is it is an actually acronym? really cool? He's um, not that I can find. I, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it. They have. They have some stuff on their page, but it doesn't seem. Um, it's literally just a name. But um, it, it has some really interesting features. Apparently, it generates more because it's. Comp- it's a big box truck. It is completely covered in solar. You can see it on their. Um, Awakensolar.com website. Uh, look up Griff. Uh, they have some aerial videos, but it's got solar panels over the cab, solar panels down the sides. Those are those vertical <laughs> panels that we always talk about. His really? er- early morning and late day curves must be fantastic. And of course, all over the top. Uh, but it actually generates more energy than the truck can use. So, he says that you can charge, that people step up and charge their cell phones. Charge, it's capable of charging electric vehicles. I don't know what kind of charger he's got on board. It looks, sounds really cool. Um, but most importantly, you can actually power a house. So if you drove the truck up next to your house and plugged <laughs> it in, you could you could use this to power I you. love it. It's got more, than, more I, panels than your standard residential <laughs> solar install. I it's love really it. Cool. Check that, out Griff.
0: We'll check out Griff. Okay, folks. This has been The Solar Coaster. Uh, we are sponsored by Fairwinds Wealth Management, Enduro Shield, Perfectly Clear Glass, Sundrum Solar. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care of yourself, be safe, and aloha Friday.